Welcome to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means it is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In today's podcast, we'll be looking at motives, mistakes, and recovery from failure. We will be examining an episode in the life of King David, who attempted to bring the Ark of God to Jerusalem, ending in tragedy. We will look at why David failed, how he dealt with his failure, and how he recovered from failure. This story is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 13 and 15, and also in 2 Samuel 6. We will be reading from 2 Samuel 6, verses 1 to 15, in the New Living Translation. Then David gathered together all the elite troops of Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Baalah of Judah to bring back the Ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Azah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart as it left the house. Carrying the Ark of God, Ahio walked in front of the Ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Azar reached out his hand and steadied the Ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Azar. And God struck him dead because of this. So Azah died right there beside the Ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's anger had bursted out against Azah. And he named the place Perez Azah, which means to burst out against Azah, as it is still called today. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obedidim of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obedidim's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obedidim and his entire household. Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed Obedidim's household, and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went there and brought the Ark of God from the house of Obedidim to the city of David with great celebration. After the men who carried the Ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. 
So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and with the blowing of ram's horns. As I said earlier, this story is recorded in two places in the Old Testament. 2 Samuel 6, the text which we just read, gives us the brief account of this story. In 1 Chronicles chapter 13 and chapter 15, we are given a more detailed account. In order to understand the story, let's trace some earlier events that surround the Ark of God. The tabernacle was set up in Shiloh after the conquest of Canaan under Joshua. Joshua 18 and verse 1. Now that the land was under Israeli control, the entire community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. The Ark of God remained in Shiloh during the conquest of the Promised Land and into the period of the Judges. During the time of Samuel, the Ark fell into the hands of the Philistines in a battle between Israel and Philistia. This is recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Israel under Saul was at war with their chief enemy, the Philistines. It seemed clear that the Philistines were going to win this battle. But Israel hoped to turn the tide of this battle by bringing the Ark of the Covenant from Shiloh into the battlefield. They supposed that the presence of the Ark would act as a good luck charm and turn the tide of the battle in their favor. In Israel's past, the Ark was taken into battle, and battles were won because of the presence of the Ark. But these battles of the past had been won only because Israel had faith in God. It had nothing to do with the Ark itself, but it had to do with their faith in their God. For example, the Ark was taken into battle in Jericho. Joshua 6 and verse 7, Joshua gave the order, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Israel was given victory, and the city of Jericho was taken. But in 1 Samuel chapter 4, Israel seemed to have a mere superstitious belief in the ark. They view the ark as some religious relic of great supernatural power which could aid them in their winning of this battle against the Philistines. Israel had a superstitious belief in a religious relic rather than a genuine faith in the God of Israel. Israel had already lost an earlier battle against the Philistines. Now they brought in the ark of God from Shiloh to ensure that they would not lose again. 1 Samuel 4, verse 3, And the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Then they said, Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. Notice the phrase, it, that is the Ark, will save us from our enemies. In 1 Samuel 4, verse 7, it tells us that the Philistines were terrified when they learned that the ark was in the camp of Israel. 1 Samuel 4, verse 7. They panicked, that is the Philistines. They panicked. The gods have come into their camp. 
they cried. This is a disaster. We have never had to face anything like this before. These were the words and thoughts of the Philistines. It goes on to say in 1 Samuel 4, verses 10 and 11, So the Philistines fought desperately, and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israeli soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. The Ark of God was captured, and Ophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were killed. The Ark was captured by the Philistines and remained in their territory. 1 Samuel 6 and verse 1 says this, The Ark of the Lord remained in Philistine territory seven months. The Philistines eventually returned the Ark to Israel because of the deadly plagues from God. That's 1 Samuel 5 and verse 11. The Philistines believed that the God of Israel was judging them because they had captured the Ark of God. 1 Samuel 6 and verse 2. Then the Philistines called their priests and diviners and asked them, What should we do about the Ark of the Lord? Tell us how to return it to its own country. The Ark was returned to Israel by the Philistines on a new cart pulled by two cows at the advice of the Philistine pagan priests and diviners. 1 Samuel 7, verses 1 and 2. So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came to get the Ark of the Lord. They took it to the hillside home of Abinadab and ordained Eliezer, his son, to be in charge of it. The Ark remained in Kiriath-Jerim for a long time, 20 years in all. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed the Lord had abandoned them. At this time, much of Israel was under the control of the Philistines. The ark was left forgotten and neglected in Kiriath-Jerim, in the house of Abinadab. The ark was forgotten because Israel had fallen into idolatry, which brought Israel into Philistine servitude. Samuel was the lone voice of God at this time, preaching to Israel about returning to God and forsaking their false gods. 1 Samuel 7 and verse 3. Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you are really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtaroth. Determine to obey only the Lord then he will rescue you from the Philistines. The ark had been neglected and forgotten for 20 years. Then Samuel spoke these words. It would be another 80 years before David would seek to move the ark to Jerusalem. In total, the ark was left forgotten and neglected in Kiriath-Jerim for a hundred years. During this period, King Saul attempted to stabilize his reign as king, bringing Israel under his control and attempting to break Philistine control of Israel. David rose to prominence and then fell out of favor with King Saul. Israel felt abandoned by God. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed that the Lord had abandoned them. After the death of Saul, David eventually became the undisputed king of Israel. David had captured the city of Jerusalem 
from the Jebusites, and he wanted to make it the political and religious capital of Israel and Judah, the United Kingdom. All that remained was to retrieve the ark, place it in a tabernacle which he had erected on Mount Zion, and declare Jerusalem the religious and political center of the nation. This could not be accomplished until the Ark of the Covenant was placed in a permanent resting place in Jerusalem. David said, It is time to bring back the Ark of our God, for we neglected it during the time of Saul. That's 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 3. He assembled all Israel, not for the purpose of war, but for the peaceful purpose of bringing up the Ark of the Lord to Mount Zion. 1 Chronicles 13, verses 1 to 3. David consulted with all his officials, including the generals and captains of his army. Then he addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows. If you approve, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send messages to all the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and Levites in their towns and pasture lands. Let us invite them to come and join us. It is time to bring back the ark of our God, for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. David's heart was pure. His motives were right. Yet, we know from this story that David made a huge mistake. All of us make mistakes. Some of our mistakes can be costly. Our mistakes can cost us financially. It can cost us credibility. It can cost us friendships. And there's many other costs associated with the mistakes that we make. In 2010, a British couple picked a winning Euro million lottery number. The prize money for that particular draw was $181 million, meaning that they would become hugely rich after cashing in their winning ticket. Unfortunately for both of them, the husband had thrown away the winning ticket and they couldn't claim the prize. Costly mistake. In this story of David's life, we learn of the costly mistake that David made, which caused the death of a Levite named Azah. So let's examine more closely David's costly mistake. Why do we need to look at David's mistakes? Because we can learn from the mistakes of others. We can learn from our own mistakes, which can be costly or we can learn from the mistakes of others, which can be far less costly. So let's look at this story in David's life. I've broken down this story into four parts. Right motives, mistaken scheme, terrible tragedy, and recovery from failure. So with this outline in mind, let's walk through this story. First, right motive. David desired to bring the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Abinadab to the city of Jerusalem. This was about 20 kilometers. 
David's motive appeared to be pure. He did not make this decision on his own. This was a decision agreed upon by the whole nation. All of the chief officials were consulted by David before any decision was made. It says in 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 1, David consulted with all his officials. He sought the approval of the people, including the priests and Levites. 1 Chronicles 13 verses 2 and 3. Then he addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows. If you approve, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send messages to all of the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and Levites. Let us invite them to come and join us. It is time to bring back the ark of our God, for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. Notice David's qualification. If you approve, and if it is the will of the Lord our God. David sought the approval of God for what he was about to do. He considered it a high priority to bring the ark to Jerusalem, to take the forgotten ark out of a place of neglect and to put it into a place of prominence on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. First Chronicles 13 and verse 4. The whole assembly agreed to this, for the people could see it was the right thing to do. The whole assembly agreed with David that the ark of God had been neglected and ignored, and this needed to change. They needed to bring the ark of God to the city of Jerusalem, to a place of prominence. Israel's treatment of the ark of God demonstrated its inner attitude towards God himself, and this needed to change. David desired to move Israel's heart towards God. So his motive was pure. So David summonsed all Israel to join in in bringing the ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim. That's 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 5. David wanted all of Israel to join in and participate in this event. To bring the ark of God to a place of prominence in Jerusalem would make the God of Israel prominent in the heart of the nation. 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 6. Then David and all of Israel went to Kiriath-Jerim to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord, who is enthroned between the cherubim. This was a God-honoring act of repentance and submission to God, literally making God prominent, putting him first. The motive of David and all of Israel was pure. David's intentions in bringing the ark to Jerusalem was pure and good, but his method was wrong. This brings us to the second part of our story, mistaken scheme. Both in 2 Samuel 6 and 1 Chronicles 13, it says the same thing. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house. This is how the Philistines had transported the ark out of their territory. 1 Samuel 6 verses 7 and 8 tells us that the Philistines built a new cart. They found two cows. They hitched the cows to the cart and they put the ark of God on the cart. 
David's intentions in bringing the ark to Jerusalem were noble and good, but his method was wrong. Looking back at 2 Samuel 5, King David faced a major leadership decision just after he became king. Twice in this chapter, the scriptures tell us that he inquired of the Lord. Verse 19 and verse 23. David asked the Lord for instructions. What should I do? But these words are sadly missing from our text. Instead, we are told that David consulted with his officials and he invited all of Israel, including the priests and Levites, to come and join us to bring back the ark. That's 1 Chronicles 13 verses 1 to 3. There is no mention of any consultation with the priests or Levites who knew how to carry the ark and no mention of any consultation or inquiry from the Lord. This significant omission sets the scene for a terrible tragedy ahead. In the scriptures, we are given positive and negative examples that we are to consider. Positive examples we should follow. Negative examples we should not follow. In this text, we are given a negative example of what not to do. God had given explicit directions in how the ark should be moved. The ark was to be covered with a veil to shield the holiness of God from any kind of rash intrusion and then carried on poles on the shoulders of the Levites. Numbers 4 verses 5 and 6. The Levites, according to Numbers 7 and verse 9, were required to carry the sacred objects of the tabernacle on their shoulders. The Levites were to insert the poles into the rings at the side of the ark and carry it. That's Exodus 25 and verse 14. The law also specifically warns the Levites not to touch any of the sacred objects and warned what consequences would follow if they did. Numbers 4 and verse 15. But they must not touch the sacred objects or they will die. In 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 7, it tells us that they placed the ark of God on a new cart. The ark was being transported improperly, not according to the instructions of the law of Moses. A new cart would not have been previously used. This would ensure that there would be no ritual impurity connected with the transportation of the ark. So some precautions were taken to ensure that the ark was transported properly. Yet David still used the Philistine method instead of God's divine method of transporting the ark. Our goal may be honorable, but the way we reach that goal may be wrong. You have heard of the expression, the end justifies the means. This means that the desired result is so good and important that any method or any means, even a morally bad one, may be used to achieve it. The important thing is the end result. The way we get to the end result is not that important. This statement is not true. 
The end does not justify the means. David was seeking to do a good thing the wrong way. He was following his own ideas, or maybe he was following the ideas suggested by others, but he was not following the ways of God. David was attempting to do a good thing the wrong way, not God's way. This passage warns us that it is not enough to have a worthy purpose or a fitting, sincere attitude when it comes to doing something in the service of God. When God employs a Christian, he wants them to do the job his way. God is concerned with both our intentions and our actions. The story of David's new cart and its results is a striking illustration of the spiritual truth that blessing does not necessarily follow the best intentions or good intentions. The best intention or good intentions may not be enough for God. Cain may have had the best intention of offering his vegetable sacrifice to God, but God required a blood sacrifice. Cain's sacrifice was rejected. In the service of God, that service must be rendered in God's way. God has given explicit instructions in how the ark should be moved. David adopted the Philistine way. Why David overlooked these requirements of the law, it is impossible to know. Our text tells us that Uzzah and Ohio, two descendants of Abinadab, placed the ark on a cart and proceeded with great musical celebration towards Jerusalem. Morgan suggests two reasons why these Levites went along with using a new cart to transport the Ark of God. Quote, the long neglect of the Ark may have rendered these men unfamiliar with the very explicit commands concerning the method of its removal or they may have grown careless as to the importance of attending to such details." Unquote. Neglect and carelessness, two dangerous attitudes that may have contributed to the coming terrible tragedy. The scriptures tell us that the ark moved towards Jerusalem. Both Chronicles and Samuel say this, David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. But what began as a joyful day quickly became a day of national grief, shame, and mourning. So let's move on to the next part of this story. Terrible Tragedy. 2 Samuel 6, 6, 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 9. Both verses say the exact same thing. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled and Azah reached out his hand to steady the ark. These verses begin with the word but. There was about to be a turn of events. Everything was normal before this. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, Everything was about to change. Something tragic was about to happen. All David's good intentions couldn't stop what was about 
to happen. A person who is sincere and pure in his heart may still end up making a huge mistake because of a critical error in his thinking. First Chronicles 13 and verse 10. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Azah, and he struck him dead because he had laid his hands on the ark. So Azah died there in the presence of God. Azah died there in the presence of God because he had laid his hands on the ark. Second Samuel 6 and verse 7 says this, And the anger of the Lord burnt against Azah, and he struck him down there for his irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. He died there by the ark of God for his irreverence. That's the phrase used in the NASB. The NIV uses the phrase because of his irreverent act. And the ESV uses the phrase because of his error. The Hebrew word used here means fault or negligence. Azah died because of his irreverent act, his error, his fault, his negligence. The oxen stumbled, threatening to throw the ark from the cart. Instinctively, Azah laid hold of the ark to prevent it from falling, and his actions cost him his life. What was Azah's error? Azah erred, thinking he knew all about the ark because it was in his father's house for so long. Azah had a familiarity with this ark, and it got him in trouble. Azah erred, thinking it didn't matter who transported the ark or how it was to be transported. The law had something different to say. Azah made a decision in a moment to disregard God's command and to do what seemed right to him. Just think about the scene for a minute. There was singing, there was joy, celebration of all kinds, musical sounds filling the air, and then Azah was struck dead by God. Everything stopped. A black cloud fell on this momentous event. Confusion filled the minds of those that watched what happened. David himself may have been a witness to the death of Azah. I'm sure he was close to the ark and must have witnessed what happened. All celebration was shut down. What a dramatic end to this event. A tragic death. First Chronicles 13 and verse 11 says this, David was angry because the Lord's anger had bursted out against Azah, and he named the place Perez Azah, which means to burst out against Azah as it is still called today. David was angry. All of his plans were interrupted. The joyful celebration and worship had been halted and a tragic death had occurred. All celebrations ceased by the sudden and terrible judgment of Azah. Those present witnessed the Lord's anger burst out against Azah. That's verse 11. I don't believe that David's initial anger at Azaz's death was directed at God. 
David felt blame for the death of Azah. I have done something wrong, David may have thought. I was the one who wanted to bring the ark to Jerusalem. I was the one who made the plans to transport this ark. I have done something wrong. Azah's death is on me. God is angry. I witnessed the Lord's anger burst out against Azah. Next, David was afraid. Verse 12. David was now afraid of God, and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of God back into my care? Because of what happened to Azah, David felt he couldn't do what God wanted him to do, bringing the ark into Jerusalem. God stopped this whole thing. David abandoned his plans to bring the ark to Jerusalem. Verse 13. So David did not move the ark into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obedidim of Gath. First Chronicles 13 and verse 14. The ark of God remained there in Obedidim's house for three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obedidim and everything he owned. The tragic death of Azah only resulted in a delay of David's plans. There are those who question God's actions against Azah. Their argument goes something like this. God was unfair to kill Azah when he tried to protect the ark from damage when the oxen stumbled. God's actions appear to be cruel, unreasonable, and harsh. A superficial look at this story may lead a person to these conclusions. But the law of Moses gave specific instructions in how the ark should be moved and treated. Azah, being a Levite, would have known these instructions. Let's try to illustrate this. Imagine a boy losing his ball behind a fenced area with signs all around saying things like danger, high voltage, enter at your own risk. He may read these. But he thinks to himself, I can climb this fence, get my ball safely, and avoid anything that will kill me. So he carefully climbs the fence to get the ball. He throws the ball over the fence and proceeds to climb back over the fence. As he climbs the fence, he doesn't notice that he's getting dangerously close to the structure, just above his head. And we all know what happens next, death by electrocution. My question is this, was the boy aware of the danger? Yes, the signs said it all, danger, high voltage. Why then did he die? He died because he ignored the message. In this same way, Azah ignored the message, clearly found in the law of Moses. He was a Levite, he knew better. Azah was not an innocent victim. David, who was also to blame for this terrible tragedy, was probably ignorant of these requirements of the law regarding the transportation of the ark. But David knew it was important to bring the ark of God into the center of Israel's life. There is no doubt that David's intentions in bringing the ark to Jerusalem were noble and good. But David made a grave mistake in transporting the ark on a new cart and tragedy resulted. This brings us to the last part of this story, recovery from failure. 
After David's initial confusion about the death of Azah, he eventually realized that he had acted contrary to God's instructions in how to transport the Ark of God. The lapse of three months not only restored the confused mind of David, but led him to discover his error. The Ark was kept in its temporary resting place at the house of Obedidim. 2 Samuel 6 and verse 12. Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed Obedidim's household and everything that he has because of the Ark of God. God's blessing rested on the house of Obedidim because of the presence of the Ark. David resolved to bring the Ark to the capital. 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 1. David prepared a place for the Ark of God and set up a special tent for it. 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 2. Then David commanded, No one except the Levites may carry the Ark of God. The Lord has chosen them to carry the Ark of the Lord and to serve him forever. David commanded that the Ark of God be carried by no one except the Levites. He had learned his lesson from the tragedy of Uzzah's death. This time he was careful to make sure that the Ark was transported as the law of Moses instructed. David understood that God is concerned with both our intentions and our actions. The end does not justify the means. First Chronicles 15 and verse 3, Then David summonsed all Israel to Jerusalem to bring the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. This included the descendants of Aaron, the priests, and the Levites. 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 4. And in 1 Chronicles 15 verses 3 to 10, we were given a list of priests and Levites who would supervise the moving of the Ark of God into Jerusalem. This demonstrates David's commitment to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem the right way. He had done his research and he knew the right thing to do. During the three months of delay, David had done his research and he knew the reasons for his previous failure. Look at David's instructions to the Levites. This is in 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 12. You are the leaders of the Levite families. You must purify yourselves and all your fellow Levites so you can bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. David had done his homework. He knew what the law required to move the ark of God. First Chronicles 15 and verse 13. Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, the anger of the Lord, our God, burst out against us. We failed to ask God how to move it properly. So David sees his failure. He sees the mistakes that he had made in the past. David clearly saw his mistake in his first attempt to move the Ark of God. We have failed to ask God how to move it properly. He wasn't about to make this mistake again. He was able to recover from his failure because he had learned from his mistakes. First Chronicles 15 verses 14 and 15. 
So the priests and the Levites purified themselves in order to bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to Jerusalem. Then the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with its carrying poles, just as the Lord had instructed Moses. The ark of God was transported now on the shoulders of the priests who had been carefully prepared for this work. Both 2 Samuel 6 and 1 Chronicles 15 describe this great celebration that happened in the transportation of the ark to Jerusalem. So all Israel brought up the ark of the Lord's covenant with shouts of joy, the blowing of ram's horns and trumpets, the crashing of cymbals, and the loud playing of harps and lyres. That's 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 28. 2 Samuel 6 verses 14 and 15. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. Look at the scene described here as the ark of the Lord came into Jerusalem. There was dancing, shouts of joy, laughing, music, singing. First Chronicles 15 and verse 26. God was clearly helping the Levites as they carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. It was not so much that the Ark was heavy and that they needed God's help to carry it. The memory of the sudden death of Azah may have been looming in their minds as the Levites bore this Ark. God clearly approved of what was happening this time. And as they bore the ark on their shoulders, coming into the city of Jerusalem, they may have felt the favor of God on their actions. How do we look at our failures? Some people are stopped by their failures. They no longer continue in the direction that they believe is right, but they stop. David could have given up his dream to bring the Ark of God into Jerusalem. He knew it was right, but he had been stopped. But this did not happen because David learned from his mistakes. Mark Zuckerberg once gave this advice, quote, don't even bother trying to avoid mistakes because you're going to make tons of mistakes, unquote. He goes on to make this comment, quote, Learning quickly from whatever mistakes you make and not giving up, you bounce back and you learn." Unquote. We never let our failures stop us. Instead, we learn from our failures and we continue to move in God's direction. In conclusion, what can we learn from this story? First, the right motive is not enough. The people of Israel could see that David's intentions were good in bringing the Ark of God to Jerusalem. First Chronicles 13.4 says this, The people could see it was the right thing to do. David's motivation was pure, yet he still made a huge mistake. Secondly, we can fail in the execution of our goal because of what we don't know. Our goal may be honorable, but the way we reach that goal may be faulty. First Chronicles 13 and verse 7, they placed the ark of God on a new cart. This was not God's prescribed way of transporting the ark. God is concerned with both our intentions 
and our actions. Thirdly, we can have the right motive, yet still experience a terrible tragedy. 1 Chronicles 13 verses 9 and 10. But then the Lord's anger was aroused against Azah, and he struck him dead. David had made a grave mistake in transporting the ark on a new cart, and tragedy resulted. And then fourthly, we can have the right motive, experience a terrible tragedy, and yet still recover from our failures. David clearly saw his mistake in his first attempt to move the ark of God. 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 13, we fail to ask God how to move it properly. He was able to recover from his failure because he learned from his mistakes. Mm -hmm.